everybody, it's Sean. Uh, just a few quick words and uh, an apology for the audio quality of the show you're about to listen to. I had to kind of do it old school this week, and um, I'm recording from a remote location for a variety of reasons. So apologize in advance. You may hear air conditioning. You may hear some weird uh, background music in the background. Sorry about that, but hopefully you enjoy the show, and thanks again for listening. Greetings, fellow tech seekers. Sean from Silicon Theory here, and this week saw... Google rebrand yet another product. We had Apple good. No, Apple bad. No, Apple good. And a ton of other news from everyone else. So let's dive in. Here's what was new and interesting for the week ending May 5th, 2018. This is ST Weekly. So Google rebranded Android Pay a while back, which was in and of itself a rebranding of Google Wallet. So stop me if you've heard this one before. But the good news is is that the GPay brand looks like it may be going forward what Google's probably going to use for a little while, at least we hope. And even though the announcement was made a while back, we still had yet to see really a ton of new changes. But that all changed this week when Google began rolling out Google Pay to web browsers, uh, including Chrome, Chrome, Safari, and Firefox. So this will allow you, if you use Google Pay or have used Android Pay or Google Wallet in the past, to authenticate your user credentials and then pay for stuff online. And it also has the ability to autofill certain things if you're using Chrome because it will remember your settings and import those directly from your Google account. So this is all based around unifying the pay branding and unifying the buying experience while using Google services, which, if you're a Google fan like me, is a good thing because the less passwords you have to type out, the better. Although, as we'll talk a little bit about later, you probably want to make sure that you're changing those passwords every once in a while, too. Apple Report. So Apple reported earnings this week, and in news that probably didn't surprise anybody, they made a crap ton of money. It reported a little over $61 billion in revenue and $13.8 billion in profits earned in the second quarter of fiscal 2018. And this report from 9to5Mac indicates that the profit came primarily from selling over 52 million iPhones, over 9 million iPads, and over 4 million Macs. And there was a lot of consternation that was going around the interwebs about the iPhone 10 and how well or how poorly, more accurately, it was being sold. And on the earnings call, Tim Cook defended the sales of the iPhone 10 and there's some nuggets of information there that may uh, point to the fact that he's right. Um, again, Rene Ritchie from over at Vector did a little bit of uh, an interesting video on the iPhone 10 fail or not fail, as the case may be. So I'll try and link that in the show notes if you want to check it out. But basically, even though um, the percentage of sales was down, the margin on those sales was quite a bit higher, which usually points to the fact that people are buying a more expensive product, which would indicate that the iPhone 10 has actually sold better than people initially predicted. Now, that doesn't mean that any of the other stuff that's already been talked about, uh, such as the component supplies being down and the fact that the iPhone 10 isn't selling as well as they had hoped, I'm sure that lots of Apple products haven't sold exactly as well as they'd hoped, but the fact remains that it has sold well and rumors of the iPhone's 10, iPhone 10's demise may be slightly exaggerated. Along with this news, the Apple bad portion of the product was that the Macs, which sold a little over 4 million, uh, have had some issues, let's say, with especially the 20, 2016 version of the butterfly keyboard. Uh, this keyboard, if you're not familiar, is a very low 
low travel keyboard and because of its design can be susceptible to dust and crumbs and other bits of debris that get under there which can cause most famously things like the spacebar to fail. Now, Apple's had a repair and warranty program for the, specifically the 2016 MacBook Pros for a while now, uh, even though it wasn't very widely advertised, which is probably the single most Apple thing to do ever, uh, i.e. you're holding it wrong. But the end result is, is that a petition was filed on change.org by... Uh, a few folks who really want to basically look at like a class action kind of thing and what they're really attempting to do again in the report from 9to5Mac is asking Apple to recall the failing keyboards and replace them with a quote different working keyboard and the petition has now over nearly 10,000 signatures. I don't know if this is something really that is that big a deal. Again, the information that I've heard and some of the information from the report suggests that the failure rates for the 2016 MacBook Pro keyboard are definitely higher than the years pre previous and the year after, but Specifically, those failure rates don't appear to be any significantly greater or lesser than any of the other products that um, have failure due to components. So things like battery swelling and things like um, you know monitors cracking and things like that. So it looks to be, at least at this point, just a specifically isolated failure. Although again, if your keyboard stops working, that's probably bad news for you. And this particular failure of the keyboard and the butterfly switches has become very high profile lately with a lot of online uh, personalities, let's say. I almost said celebrities, that would have been weird. Uh, but a lot of online personalities uh, specifically calling out the um, MacBook Pro uh, for its terrible keyboard. So if you're interested, you can head on over to change.org to file uh, your signature on that petition. And if you've had any issues with your MacBook Pro keyboard, and for the record, I use the uh, older 2015 Retina MacBook Pro and I love it, but um, if you have any issues with your keyboard, um, leave us a comment. Let us know. Love to hear from you. Everyone else report. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, there is a ton of everyone else news. I'm going to do my very best to get through this quickly because I have a feeling that this show is probably going to run long too, but hopefully I haven't bored you so far. But it looks like we have HTC uh, finally giving us a hint that they're going to be launching their new phone on May 23rd, so we're going to definitely have some coverage of that. Everyone's hoping that it might be the HTC U12 or the U12 Plus, but really we don't have any information. And in a very funny bit of news, I saw a report on I think it was Twitter yesterday that the uh, graphic that HTC used to announce their May 23rd uh, event actually repurposed some iPhone 6 internals, which was kind of hilarious if you think about it. But if you'll recall, Google acquired most of HTC's uh, Pixel phone development talent, which rounded out to about 2,000 employees. So it could be... Uh, not what we expect from this new phone, or it could be fantastic. Maybe the Pixel people were the problem, and maybe they weren't, but we should know on or about May 23rd. In addition, uh, it looks like the founder or one of the co-founders of WhatsApp is leaving Facebook. He's not only leaving the company, but he's also leaving Facebook's board, which um, if for those of you that weren't aware, Facebook acquired WhatsApp quite a while ago for many, many billions of dollars. And apparently the rumor is, is that the co-founder has some issues with Facebook's privacy policies or lack of privacy policies, if you prefer. 
And so because of the fact that WhatsApp is uh, using end-to-end -end encryption and is designed to leave those communications private and Facebook wants to mine them in an effort to try and monetize WhatsApp in some way, shape, or form, um, apparently he's like, peace, and I'm out, which I think would be good for him because he's already a billionaire and who cares, but the uh, stance that more public people need to take uh, on protecting people's privacy is definitely a good thing. Uh, Twitter, speaking of privacy, and as I alluded to earlier, passwords, Twitter had uh, a note uh, earlier this week that basically said that they exposed everyone's passwords in an unencrypted format. And even though they believe no breach has occurred, because that data was plainly visible, you should probably, and they highly suggest you do, change your passwords. Uh, I changed the Twitter password on the multiple Twitter accounts that I manage, and if you're listening to this, I encourage you to do so as well. Even though uh, Twitter said that there wasn't a breach that occurred and they themselves discovered this information, you know what, I'm kinda done with trusting big companies and the whole privacy of our data information. So, uh, especially Twitter, because they have been flailing about in their death row for a number of years now and uh, we try and use Twitter as a way to promote our platform. We have followers on that area and that's a way that we can reach our audience but quite honestly it's probably the single most toxic of all of the social media platforms and I just I scroll through it and and I just I get more and more depressed all the time that I do it so uh, if you're still using Twitter definitely make sure you change your password and if you're still using Twitter maybe ask yourself why. Uh, Pocket Casts, our favorite podcast app, I have it on both Android and iOS devices, announced that they were acquired uh, this week by a group that is owned, owned, sorry, easy for me to say, owned partially by NPR, or National Public Radio, which is kind of a cool thing. They mentioned that, uh, the founders mentioned that their uh, alignment with the goals of NPR and some of these other organizations made it a good fit, and so the acquisition was allowed to proceed, even though they had indicated in their blog post that they'd turned down other acquisition offers before. So certainly this seems to ring true to me, simply because I don't think NPR is rolling in cash, and I don't know what their bid to buy pocket cast was, but they've indicated that the platform is not going to change. It's still going to be the same great podcasting app that we know and love, and hopefully that is true as well. But um, it's kind of an interesting thing that somebody like NPR might be looking for ways to broaden their reach. And you know, every business wants to broaden its reach. That's no surprise. But you know, NPR is one of those uh, agencies or entities that has incredibly good content. Like This American Life is one of those shows, and. Maybe they can find a way using podcasts to leverage that platform to get that content to more people. And hopefully, in the end, that would be a win-win for everybody. Uh, finally, or maybe not finally, uh, there was an announcement uh, reported by CNET, although I will take 100% credit for this because our story up at SiliconTheory.com went up first, but the Hydrogen smartphone uh, has been announced to have been delayed, and uh, this probably comes as no shock to anybody because there are a ton of people out there that think it's vaporware, but the uh, blog post or the uh, Red User Forum post from Jim Gennard, the CEO of of uh, Red indicates that they ran into some stumbling blocks. They've pushed the launch announcement back or the launch of the actual uh, device itself back, but with good reason. And that is they're building additional features into the phone and they're able to 
innovate and use some new technologies uh, that they hadn't been able to do by buying themselves this time. So uh, yeah, yeah, I know. We'll believe it when we see it. And carrier certification is definitely something that most people should be concerned with, uh, especially Jim Gennard and Red. But uh, the rumor is, is that there's an event that's going to be going on in a couple weeks where people who are Red users will actually get a chance to go and see a working prototype of the phone. And uh, I'm hoping that Silicon Theory will be able to be there. So if we have some more information on this, we will definitely get it to you. And I said that that was the last story, and it kind of is for everybody else, but I did have a couple of other things that I wanted to mention. Uh, one, as you probably have heard, but if you haven't, we had uh, expanded coverage of the LG G7 ThinQ launch event. So if you haven't already, make sure you head on over to silicontheory.com. You can check out our live blog there. You can head over to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Silicon Theory and watch the hands-on and some of my thoughts videos. Those were published this week as well. If you haven't already, make sure that you're subscribed so that you can get all of our video content. We appreciate that, and it helps us to put out new and better content all the time. Thanks again for listening, and uh, as I've mentioned before, you can find us at SiliconTheory.com. Follow us on social. We are at Silicon Theory on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I gave you the YouTube link. It'll also be in the show notes. Help yourself. Check it out if you'd like. And as always, remember, we will talk tech soon.